Hey, good morning, everybody. How is, how is everyone? Good? My name's Corey. I work here um, at the church. <laughs> it's, uh, I've never taken um, as much time away. I haven't taken any time off. I didn't go anywhere. Uh, just um, the last couple of, couple of weeks, last month, I've just been, it's been sporadic since I've been up here. Um, it was cool, though. Last week, got to sit at the 7 o'clock and hear Mike, who did a phenomenal job with a very difficult chapter, right? And then I got to drive out to our Cannon County Church and hear Josh do a phenomenal job with chapter nine. And then they said Isaac wasn't able to go to all three, but Isaac um, did a phenomenal job in Shelbyville. So um, it's cool. It's cool to sit back and kind of see like how deep the, the bench is kind of. And I was like, wow, that's great. You know, a lot of good teaching. And then I was really humbled. <laughs> I was really humbled Friday night. My wife, who hates public speaking, was asked to speak at the prayer gathering we had last Friday. And... Uh, she did a phenomenal job. You have to like twist her arm to get her up here, but she does a great, thank you, thanks. So, so here's how I was humbled. You know, I was over here on the side and I'm like, yeah, look at my wife, she's bringing it. And um, she did a great job. And then <laughs> after the service, people would start walking towards me and I was like, oh, hey. And then they would go around me and they're like, no, we're here to talk to her. And they would go around. And, and, and I found myself at the end of the night, I was over here in the corner with my two girls and they're like, Dad, when is mom gonna stop talking to people so I can go home? And, and I was like, this is what it must have felt like to be my wife for 12 years when she just wants to go home and like make food and the kids are sitting there and, and no one wanted to talk to me. But anyway, so that's uh, cool, it's cool. We're one, the Bible says, so anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna steal from her, uh, her glory a little bit. So we've been working through the Book of Romans if you've never been here before and we're in... Um, maybe one of the more complicated, uh, interesting parts of the book of Romans. Last week, Mike did chapter nine. Now, if you don't know anything about the book of Romans, it was a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in Rome. He hadn't been there yet, but he wanted to go there and he was kind of setting the stage to visit this church so they could plant more churches. That's kind of what was going on, okay? So in chapter nine, what Mike talked about and what makes chapter nine so difficult is Paul is talking to this church in Rome, this letter that he wrote to the church of Rome, and chapter nine brings up the question of, are we predestined, which means God chose us, or do we have free will? Did we choose God? And what makes chapter nine complicated is it says yes to both of those things. Did God choose you? Absolutely. Did you choose God? Absolutely. And there is this tension in that. And here's where we get hung up is, is we're, not, we're not supposed to resolve the tension. The tension is supposed to be there. God wanted it that way, that tension of his choosing us, us choosing him. We're not to alleviate that. We're to kind of live in that tension, okay? And so Mike kind of talked about that, and, and he stole my thunder a little bit. He used a scripture from verse or from chapter 10 where the bottom line isn't, are we predestined or do we have free, free will? The bottom line is, all that call on the name of the Lord are saved, right? That's what it says in chapter 10. We'll read that today. So if you call on the name of the Lord, you're gonna be saved, Okay? So that's kind of where that lands. Today, what we're gonna talk about is this, and it's not overtly complicated. I think it's pretty easy to understand, chapter 10. We're gonna talk about whatever, whatever we immerse ourselves in, whatever direction we are looking at, whatever we are focusing on, focusing on, that is what we're going to gravitate towards, okay? So where our eyes are, where our heart is and our mind is, that's eventually what Jesus said, right? Where, 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 your, where your heart is, your treasure is there also. So what we're looking at is eventually what we're going to become. It's going to shape our decisions. And so today we're just gonna simply ask, what, what, what are we looking at? And what do we desire to look at? If the, if the things that we focused on have not worked for us in the past, are we, are we ready to maybe explore another option? Okay, so we're gonna, that'll make sense a little bit closer towards the end. So you should've got a notes handout when you came in. Everything I'm gonna say will be in there. Everything will be on the TVs around the room. Um, if you have a smartphone, the Experience Community app uh, have everything on there. It'll have the sermon notes and the scripture and everything else. Last thing, you guys make sure you go back and say hi to the Men of Valor guys back here. They do a phenomenal job working with men that come out of jail. I've been to their campus before and got to meet everybody. And um, Michael, who is on the video, he comes to church here. They do a wonderful thing. Go back there and, and you know, throw a 20 at them or something, or, or uh, literally, you should wad it up and just throw it at those guys. Uh, no, but, but get involved with them, say hi to them, and, and just at the very least, learn a little bit more about what they do, okay? 
So let me pray. We'll dive into chapter 10. We'll get through it pretty quick and um, we'll see what happens, okay? All right. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much um, just, for, just for the opportunity to be here today. God, as much as I joke around, Lord, I, I really do love being up here, being able to speak your word. I love this church, God. I pray, Lord, that, that what we do today, that it, that it not only blesses us, but God, that it, that it honors you. We pray for every church in our city. We pray for our other campuses. We pray, God, for the churches in, in those counties where our other campuses are, that you would bless them. We pray for men of valor and what they're doing in Antioch, God. And um, Father, we just pray for humanity right now. We're a mess and we need you, God. And I pray that that just becomes more abundantly clear as we study your word today. God, we love you. We thank you. Bless everyone who hears your word today, God. And uh, we pray all these things in your son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm gonna read a little bit. I'm gonna stop in mid-sentence, which is kind of weird, but, but it's a good stopping point. We'll read a little bit, we'll break it down, and we'll see where God takes us. Okay, all right, here we go. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. I can testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, since they are ignorant of the righteous, righteousness of God, and I, I underline this, and attempted to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, if you have not been here, the reason people get so hung up on chapters nine through 11 of Romans is it was about the Jews. It was specifically about Israel. So the Jewish people had a very special calling from God and they missed that calling, the majority of them. And so what Paul was is Paul was kind of a second Abraham. Now, if you don't know who Abraham was, Way back in the Old Testament, the Jewish people started with Abraham. He was the first Jew. And God chose him to lead his people back to him. Paul was kind of a second Abraham. He was literally knocked on his butt by Jesus. Jesus has said, I have a, I, he said, I have a job for you. Paul didn't really have much of a say-so in the matter. Was saved and sent out to bring God's people back to him. So listen, I, this is where I identify with Paul. Paul was a Jew. He loved the Jews but he didn't really like the Jews sometimes. He was very frustrated with them. In the same way, and I bet a lot of you share the same sentiment, I love the church. I'm talking about the church, Christianity. I love the church. I'm often very frustrated with the church, right? Because you get, if you love people, people always wonder, why is he flailing and yelling up there? It's because I love people. It's not because I don't love them, but it's very frustrated when you see people that you care about driving off a cliff. And that's what Paul was doing. Don't drive off the cliff. He would get frustrated and angry, not because he didn't love people, but because he loved them very, very much. And he wanted to see them do the right thing. Now, listen, when we read the Bible, maybe you don't do this, maybe I'm the only terrible person that does this. Oftentimes when I read the Bible, I'm like, man, these people were screw-ups. These people, they saw Jesus they saw God face to face. You read the Old Testament, these people saw the Red Sea part and manna fall from heaven and they still rebelled. What is wrong with these people? It's very easy for us when we read the Bible to point fingers and go, man, they had every opportunity and they blew it. Now here's where today is gonna be, uh, where the rubber's gonna kind of meet the road for us. If you take out the word Israel in this chapter and you put the United States, it flows perfectly because we have dropped the ball in our culture right now. We have had every privilege. We've had prosperity. We've had unbelievable freedom. And instead of enjoying that and growing closer to God in that freedom, we have become entitled. We've become apathetic. We've become lazy. We've become defiant. And so here's the thing. The United States, us, we're not loved by God more than anyone else, but we have experienced some very unique privileges and freedoms. We're doing one of them right now. Not everyone has the freedom to do what we're doing right now. But here's kind of the catch 22 with freedoms and blessings, right? Is we will be held accountable and responsible for those freedoms and blessings. For those who've been given much, much is required out of them. So we have been given more than really any civilization that has ever existed on planet earth. And it is remarkable to me that Christianity is sinking at alarming rates in the freest, most prosperous place that has ever existed. That's us. So there were two big mistakes that the Jewish people made in Paul's time that we, we still make today. The first one is this. 
The first big mistake was God called the Jewish people to be the mouthpiece for the truth for the entire world. It all started with the Jews, right? And then it was to go out to the entire world from them. But what happened over time, not all Jewish people, obviously Paul wasn't one, but predominantly they became inwardly focused. It was more about what the church could do for me than what I could do for the church. The second big mistake they made was they established their own standard of what is right and wrong, righteousness. It wasn't about what the Bible said, it was about what I think. And so the same things prevail today. We tend to put ourselves first, right? Man, listen, don't ever say this because if you're a pastor, it just sounds really like not good. Whenever people say, well, I'm, I'm, I just moved into town, I'm shopping for a church. Really, no, you shop for a dress. You pray to Jesus Christ to put you in a good community to grow in a relationship with him. It's not shopping like you do when you go to Kroger. It's, it's a different thing, right? Because this is not so we can walk around and say, I don't know, the building in here. No, no, pray about it. Have a relationship with Jesus. He'll send you where you're supposed to go. It doesn't mean anything wrong with maybe going to some different places and kind of discovering that, but maybe we should change our verbiage a little bit because it comes off like, well, what will your church do for me? And it's a complete wrong attitude. And we even have a tendency in Christianity to create our own forms of righteousness. Well, I don't think we should do that. Well, why do you? You're a Christian. We get our direction from this book. Quite frankly, I don't care what you think. I care what Jesus Christ thinks. I'm a Christian. But we have become very self-righteous people, even in Christianity. And so Paul says, here's the reason why. He says, the people have a lot of passion, zeal, but they don't have any knowledge. Now here's the problem with passion without knowledge. Passion without direction hurts people. This is our culture right now, guys. A lot of passionate people out there, but if they're not walking in the direction of Christ, people get hurt. Not only do people get hurt, people are eternally lost because we establish our own standard of righteousness, a very dangerous thing. And again, Jesus, what Jesus says about that, when we say, well, I think this is right and wrong, Jesus responds in the Bible. The Bible responds and says, your ideas of right and wrong are like dirty rags to me, God says. I don't care. He's the author of truth and what is right and wrong. And whenever we say, well, I believe this, again, what you believe is irrelevant. What this book says is the truth. And if we call ourselves Christians, we are to submit to this truth, not our made-up individual truths. So God says, your idea of standard, your standard of righteousness is, is like dirty rags to me. And so here's the thing. People sometimes come to this church and they say, Corey, why aren't you telling us something good? This is good. It is not bad news to hear that you will always fail without God. Because what that does is it takes all the pressure off me to be good and puts all the pressure on a perfect, capable God to be good in my place. And so this is not bad news to hear that we suck. We do. <laughs> Humans left to their own devices are awful, right? But that, that is a very liberating thing. I am a failure without Jesus. All that does is it makes me put all of my dependence on him and he is always good enough. But if we choose to not be submitted to his righteousness, we get trapped in this vortex of failure that has always been a part of the human experience apart from God. But look what Paul says. If you're a Christian, you're free of that. You are free of trying to earn your way to heaven. You're free of that. It's not by your works. It is by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Just believe in that. Trust in that. Lean on him. That is great news, guys. That is fantastic news, that it is not up to you. It is up to him, and he's already done it. It's already paid for. So what that means, and this is kind of the thesis of the whole book of Romans, it is faith alone. And the, the, the Israelites in Paul's time failed because they failed to believe not because it wasn't clear, but because they didn't want to. And so the thing is, is God doesn't expect us to be good enough. He just says, believe and trust that I am good enough. And that goes back to utter dependence, guys. Utter dependence. Again, this is a liberating thing. If I'm to be a good husband, right? Not covet the attention my wife gets. If I'm to be a good husband... I have to depend on Jesus. If I'm gonna raise my children in the way that they should be raised, I have to depend on Jesus. If I'm gonna be a good pastor or a good boss or a good citizen, whatever the case may be, it is utter dependence on him. 
And when we trust in and when we live in his ability, in his power, we have lives that mean something. They have purpose, and we are able to accomplish wonderful things, not because of us, but because of God in us. It's liberating, right? So since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will go into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him, I love that, not in him, on him. Whoever believes on him will, be put, will not be put to shame since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses, ooh, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, there's a lot in this. Now, if you ever talk to a Christian or, or anyone who says this, they say, well, the God in the Old Testament and then the God of the New Testament. It's the same God, and he has never changed. He's always been the same. Whenever I hear people say, well, I don't, I don't think there's much grace in the Old Testament. The fact that God didn't wipe out humanity about 14 times, uh, if I was God, <laughs> right? Good thing I'm not. There's a ton of grace in the Old Testament, a ton of grace. It's the same God. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the way that humanity was reconciled or saved was very different in the Old Testament from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was the law. Now, the law, if you go back and read, there's all kinds of dietary laws and ceremonial laws and moral laws. All these different laws were not a bad thing in the Old Testament. They saved people, but they were kind of impersonal. Now, what they did, though, if you're ever reading through the Bible and you get to like a, a book like Leviticus, right? Everyone's, that's where you first hit that speed bump in reading the Bible. And you're reading that and you're like, what is the point of this? If you, if you know the context, the laws of God actually kept people safe. They kept them biologically healthy. They didn't have biology books. They didn't have science like we have science now. But of course, God knew biology and science. And so laws like don't eat meat with blood in it. That kept people from getting parasites. Don't dig into your flesh while you're traveling to the promised land. You can get an infection. Don't blend certain kinds of materials because allergies, things like this, knowledge that God gave them to keep them safe, to keep them healthy. It also established that God was to be revered and that God was a God of order. So the law worked in its time and it was very clear in its time. But since Jesus came, the law has passed, and now faith is the clear path to being saved. So Paul uses the example of Moses, and basically the law was setting up Jesus. It was setting up Jesus to come, that if we have faith in Christ and what he's done, we can now be capable of living the life God wants us to live. And look at this. I love this. Paul says the message is in your mouth and in your heart. What that means is this, if you have come into this room today and you are looking for answers, and you may be an atheist, you may be agnostic, but you're looking, you're seeking. What Paul is saying here is a relationship with the creator of the universe is as close as a desire in your heart and having a conversation. It is that close. Any one of us in this room, if we have in our heart a desire to know God and speak to him, he's there and he can build a relationship with us. And he says, this is the message of faith. The message of faith is this, is if we are humble, that is the key to everything. If we will be humble and we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. What that means is we are confessing that Jesus, you are the boss. You have authority. You know what's best. It is submission. And when we submit to Jesus and when we believe in our heart that what this book says and what he says about himself is true, 
We are saved. And so we submit to his ways and we live in a belief that God loves us. Here's the thing, guys. If you read this book, you're gonna come across some things that contradict the way you live because we all make mistakes, right? But if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and loves you very much, even when this Bible corrects us, it is done out of love. It is done because Jesus cares about you and wants you to live the best way possible. It's all down out of love, done out of love. But here's the thing. We only talk about half the gospel a lot of the times. If we hear the truth, the truth begs a response. And when we respond to what the word of God says and what Jesus says, this activates promises in our life. So what does that mean? We often say in church, Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. That's only half of the good news. The other half of the good news is when God died for us, when we were broken, messed up sinners, when he, when he saves us, he does not keep us the way he found us. He changes us. He transforms us. He delivers us. That is a beautiful thing. Look at what Paul says. When we believe in what Jesus has done, that leads to righteousness. We become better people. So whenever people say, well, I believe in Jesus, well, righteousness, the way God wants you to do things, should be evident in the life of the believer. And if it's not, there's a conundrum there. There's a problem because real belief in Jesus leads to transformation. It leads to a change. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, Jesus died because you're broken, wretched, messy, screwed up. The other half of the gospel is he does not leave you broken, messy, screwed up. He transforms us. So there's two parts of that gospel, and both are important. But some people would say, well, wait a second, Corey. It sounds like you're saying to me that we have to do something. No. Pre your salvation, to be saved, there is nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to be saved. But after Jesus saves us by his grace through our faith, then Jesus looks at us and says, now it's time to get to work. You are now my ambassadors on planet earth. I have a purpose for you. I have a job for you. Listen, we are not saved so we can isolate ourselves in our house and just like watch like pure flicks all the time and not talk to our neighbors, right? That's not why we're saved. We are saved, as Jesus said, to send us out into the darkness like sheep amongst wolves. We have works that we are supposed to do. We're not saved by them, but we are called to them. That means that true salvation will manifest itself. You will be able to see it. At the beginning of our, our, our walk, we believe baptism is kind of that big step, right? You're not saved by baptism, but out of obedience to God, we're baptized. Community service is a part of that. We are not saved by feeding the, the, the poor and clothing the naked, but we should be doing that as people who've been saved by grace. We're not saved by the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we may have or by coming to church. Doing this every week will not save your soul. But all of these things should follow a person who claims to be saved by Jesus Christ. And this is a personal journey. Now listen, what you and I are doing right now, church, not only does the Bible command us to do what we're doing right now in Hebrews, it says that we should be doing this more and more until Jesus comes back because God knows we need each other. God knows that we need to, 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 to strengthen each other and pray for each other and walk with each other. But at the end of the day, our salvation cannot be based on someone else. Our salvation is based on did we have a personal relationship with Jesus? So again, the argument from chapter nine isn't predestination or free will or have I done enough to earn salvation? The, the, the statement is this, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That's the bottom line. If you have a desire to know Jesus, you will be saved. You will be saved. So though this is a personal journey, we need the church, but here's the beauty. Here's the progressive nature of the Bible, especially in its time. Paul says there is no Jew or Greek. In Paul's time, there was only two kinds of people, <laughs> Jews and non-Jews. That was pretty much the world when it came to the Bible. But what he's saying is this. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what nation you were born in. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican. It doesn't matter if you have a PhD or you've never been to college. 
Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter what you've done, it even doesn't matter what you're doing right now. If you want to have a relationship with God, you can have a relationship with God. Anyone who wants to be saved can be saved. But here's the thing. I'm gonna get serious for a second. I promise we're gonna end this message on a, on a, on a high note today. It's gonna be good. But the responsibility is on us. Not only to find the truth. Listen, if you came into this place looking for the answer, I dare say you're probably getting it right now. If we, we, we the responsibility on, is on us to look for the truth. And then once we find the truth, the responsibility is on us to respond to it. See, here's the problem. We live in a culture right now that blames everyone. It's everyone else's fault except for mine. Everyone. It was Brock's fault. It was Donald Trump's fault. Now it's Joe Biden's fault. It was my pastor's fault. It was my dad's fault. It's your fault. It's everyone else's fault. Here's the problem with this whole blame shifting thing that too many people have started to lean on in our day and age. When we stand in front of Jesus Christ, it will just be Jesus and you. And it says in Matthew that he will open up the book of your life. Let's just take me, I won't pick on you. And he will say, Corey, what did you do with the time that I gave you? Well, but, but my dad, not talking about your father. You had a heavenly father that filled in that gap. What did you do with your time? I'm not going to be able to blame you. I'm not gonna be able to blame my family. I'm not gonna be able to blame anyone else. I have a responsibility to look for the truth and to respond to the truth, okay? Again, I said it's gonna end well. Rejection maybe wasn't the best title for the last, <laughs> for the last slide. I should have thought about that a little bit, a little bit better. <laughs> how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Let's pause there for a second. So I don't wear shoes a lot, um, and, and I think I have pretty decent looking feet for a man. And I have often thought about getting that tattooed on my foot, but I'm like, that would hurt really, really bad, so. That's it, I just wanna pause there and throw that out. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So this is important. So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Jesus. But I ask, did the Jews not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those that are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who are not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who are not asking for me, but to Israel. He says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. Okay, so if you were not here for the beginning of Roman, Paul's big desire wasn't just to, to go hang out in Rome with Christians. His desire was to use Rome as a launching pad to start more churches. So the recipients of the book of Romans, which was the Romans at this time, and it's us this morning, Paul wanted them to know crystal clear that the gospel, the good news about Jesus has to be spoken. It has to be declared. The reason I bring this up, a lot of Christians, hopefully no one in this room, we often have these cute little phrases that are like, I don't shove the word down people's throat because I just live it. Good for you. If you truly lived out the Bible, the Bible says you also have to speak it. How are they going to know about the truth of Jesus Christ unless someone verbally says it? I'm not trying to self-promote. My second book that I wrote, that's the whole thing it's about. Now listen, I don't, I don't recommend that you just walk into a coffee shop and be like, hey, you don't wanna go to hell, do you? Sit down and listen. That doesn't work. But if we build a relationship with people, eventually you have to cross the threshold of telling them who Jesus Christ is. How terrible is it of us as Christians to hold the key to eternal salvation and life change right now and not share that with people who are drowning and hurting? So, so here's the thing. Whenever people are like, well, I just live it, the first thing I wanna say is you're just scared of rejection, aren't you? You're just scared of how, about how people think about you. That's really what that boils down to. You're afraid to speak it because you just don't want people to look at you differently. 
Guys, I hate to say it, it's just part of the, the, the thing that we're doing. Some people will reject it, some people will not accept it, but let me also tell you this. Nine out of 10 non-believers will just be happy that you thought about them enough to talk to them, okay? So Paul says, how are they gonna believe if they never hear? Not only are we called as individuals to share the gospel with people, we are also called to raise up pastors and preachers to go teach the word of God. So if to be saved, we need to have faith and faith comes by hearing the word of God, we have to have people preach the word of God and teach the word of God. For this reason, we have to train up men and women who go out and share and teach the word of God. Pastors, preachers, teachers, we have to be doing that. And unfortunately, even if all of us in this room go share our faith, even if we raise up a bunch of pastors, right? Some people will still not listen to what we have to say. And unfortunately, the whole point of Romans 9, 10, and 11 is that Israel as a whole, not every Jew, but Israel as a whole, had missed the very savior that all of them had been waiting for ever since they had been alive. And so listen, here's where it gets back to that tension of predestination and free will. God predestined and chose those people to be his people, but those people chose to not accept him. And there we are back in that tension. Here we are back in the tension in this room. The Bible says it is not God's will that any of you go to hell, but every single one of us right now and watching online, we have a choice to either respond to what we are reading today or willingly live ignorant. I don't see it, I don't see it. And we have chosen to not see the truth. So Paul says, okay, so let's, let's make an argument. Paul likes to argue with himself a lot in his letters. He says, well, maybe they didn't hear. Maybe the Jews never heard. And that was pretty preposterous. Not only did the Jewish people hear about the Messiah, he showed up and walked around and did a bunch of crazy miracles in front of them raising the dead and feeding 15,000 people with some fish and some, some loaves of bread and walking around doing all kinds of miraculous things. The blind people are running around. I see, I see. Deaf people are running around. I hear, I hear. It couldn't have been more blatant. And the very people that, that were raised to be looking for these signs, they had every opportunity to hear, every opportunity to respond. Now listen, we're gonna bring it back to the United States. We have every freedom to worship however we please in the United States. You can go to any bookstore in town and there's 50 different translations of the Bible and all kinds of colors and special editions and all this stuff. We have information at our fingertips. There is absolutely no excuse if you live in the United States to not have access to the truth and be seeking it out. Absolutely not. So if anyone in the United States says, well, so maybe someone didn't hear, impossible. Impossible in the United States. We have access to everything. If you are looking for the truth, it is there. The problem is, is we're not looking. We don't want to hear. And then Paul goes, well, maybe they heard, but they didn't understand. Again, that was a really, really terrible argument. Because even if you go way back, he brings in Moses and Isaiah to kind of back him up on this. They were dead, but he's talking about the writings. He goes back and he says, if you go back into the Old Testament, these same people who claim not to believe, they saw the Red Sea part. They saw manna fall out of heaven. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw all kinds of miraculous stuff. There is no reason why they couldn't have understood. But here's the problem, guys, and here's where it gets back to us. Because they, privileged, chose not to respond to Jesus, the blessings that God had for the nation of Israel were taken off of Israel, and they were now dispersed to anyone. Now, we have to be careful with that. That doesn't mean that, that, that God doesn't love the Jews and that God doesn't have a, a, a promise that he's gonna fulfill to the Jews. All this stuff going on about Israel right now, there's a reason why one of the smallest nations on planet Earth, there's a reason why no one has been able to conquer that nation and push them into the sea. It's because God has his hand over that nation. There's a promise there, and it will not be thwarted by any of us, right? And so here's the thing. Just like Israel in Paul's day, the United States has had every privilege imaginable. You know what's happening to the United States right now? The blessing of God has been removed from us because Christianity is tanking at an alarming rate in the United States, and now the gospel of Jesus Christ is blowing up in Iran. It's blowing up in uh, Southeast Asia. It's blowing up in Russia. It is blowing up in all these other places because we, the most privileged people on planet Earth, 
have taken our liberties for granted and we have started to make golden calves while our leaders are up trying to hear from the word of God and we have made idols in our lives and God is removing himself from us, right? And here's the thing, it was a deliberate choice. It wasn't that Israel didn't know. It was that it says, look at it, it says that God held his hands out to a bunch of disobedient and defiant people. This is free. I have salvation for you. I have blessing for you. I have hope and contentment for you. But they chose not to accept it. And again, listen, this is the mantra of our generation. I'm not talking about just the young people in this room. I'm talking about all of us in this room, right? Our society, our culture. The mantra of our culture right now here is this. Do what you think is right. And if anyone tells you differently, they are a bigot. That is the culture you live in. Do what you think is right. Live your truth. And if anyone says differently, they're closed-minded and they're a bigot. Now, let me tell you what's gonna happen. This very self-righteous and exceptionally arrogant lifestyle and culture that we have fostered will be the spiritual death of a lot of people, a lot of people. Because what we have done is we have, we have had every access to the truth of God but we have said, I choose to live my truth, my reality, my desires, my feelings, right? And so what happens is this, guys. Whatever we are focusing on, whatever we are looking on, we're naturally going to gravitate towards it. Whatever our eyes are fixed on, whatever we are allowing to speak into our minds, we will start to become that. I've said this for the last year and a half. There's been so many people living in debilitating fear because they're addicted to fear porn. That's called the news. And so many people are glued to it and they're listening to it all the time and they don't go to the word of God for comfort and peace and, and clarity. They turn on CNN or Fox or NPR or you know, talk radio or whatever they do and they're fed all this fear. That's how they make all their money. That's how they keep you glued is they have to keep you scared. And so what has happened is, is we have started to move into the direction of unbelievable offense. Everyone's offended. Everyone is scared. Everyone's hostile and walking on eggshells because we have been viewing stuff that feeds on it instead of the peace of God that the Bible has and the security that the Bible teaches us about. So I remember Kyle and I, last year, right in the height of all the protests and everything that's going on around the nation, we were in Washington, D.C., and um, we were spending a little bit of time, I was working with the church in Delaware, Kyle and I were, but we, we, we hung out a little bit in D.C. And so all the stuff on the news, D.C.'s on fire, the capital of the United States is burning down, everything was bad. We went down to downtown D.C. and it was a ghost town. There was no one there. We're walking around, I mean, we're walking around the front lawn of the, the White House. Trump was in office and Kyle did his best Trump impression. It wasn't very good, but anyways, so we're walking around. We, you know, we walked down all the main streets. We, got, we ate at a little burger joint right next to the White House. And, and what we looked is we saw what was on the news. You know, they had, you know, DC is burning down. It was a half of a city block where some windows had gotten knocked out and they had painted some stuff on the road. And we're sitting in a restaurant that was, we were the only white people in there. It was an African-American burger joint. Everyone in the place was black except for us. They were really nice to us. I thought we were really nice to them. And we're sitting there looking, and I'm like, that's what the news was showing us? It's like, it's like half a city block. But the thing is, is that doesn't sell, right? So they have to make it look a little bit bigger than what it is. And people were drawn to it and addicted to it. Now we start hating our neighbor because we read less Bible and we watch more news. The moral of the story is whatever we're focused on, it doesn't have to be the news. If you're just focused on being pretty, that's gonna shape every decision you make if that's what you're focused on. If you're just focused on prosperity, that's gonna shape every decision that you make because you're, you're gonna be trying to achieve that. So what are we looking at? And who and what are we allowing to speak into us? Last point on this. Jesus said what we take in through the eyes and the ears can contaminate the entire soul. Jesus said that in the book of Matthew. What you're looking at and what, what is feeding your mind matters. It matters. And here's the thing, with access to so much information, with access to the word of God and the freedoms that we have and the evidence we have of God working around us, do we have a desire to look for what is true? 
not only do we have a desire to look for what is true, do we have a desire to respond to the truth, that when we find the truth, you know what that means? If you were looking for the truth and you're in this place, and I'm not trying to bring condemnation to you, but if you have come into this place and you buy a Bible, I want, I want to know the truth, and you're looking through it, and you come across a passage like, it is wrong to have sex outside of marriage. At that point, you found the truth, but now you have to respond to that truth. I will either continue to sleep with my girlfriend or despite my feelings and what I want, I will respond to the truth and do the right thing. When the Bible says that it is a sin to be intoxicated, right, which includes getting high, that's intoxication. When we read those things, we then have the, the, the we're at the crossroad. Do we respond to that? Do we do not what we feel, but what God wants us to do? Will we choose his truth or we, will we resort back to our truth? Let me ask you this. A lot of talk, people, people use the language of privilege a lot in our community and, and, and in our nation right now. I'm gonna tell you this. If you live in the United States, you're privileged. Every single citizen of the United States is privileged. More privileged than about 90% of the rest of the world. We are privileged. Have we taken our privileges for granted? Have we become arrogant? Have we become entitled? Have we, even as Christians, become apathetic? Have we as Christians become inwardly focused? We're called to go out into the world, right? To penetrate the darkness. We are called to go out and love those that are hard to love. But instead, have we become, many of you are in this room because the church you came from, you'll, you'll say this, it was like a country club. If the true Jesus would have walked through the door, we would have thought he was some homeless bum and we probably wouldn't have let him in. Have we become inwardly focused, what can the church do for me versus what can I do to expand the kingdom of God? What can I do to go out and make my community a better place, to touch the hearts of the people around us? The bottom line is this, guys. It is the question of what are we choosing to look at? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Is it just happiness? Because I'm gonna tell you it's fleeting. Is it money? I'm gonna tell you you can't take that to, to, to your afterlife. What are you looking for? Is it acceptance? Is it beauty? What is it? Because whatever you are seeking, you will go towards that direction. And, and that's good news too, because Jesus himself said, if you are in this room and you are a stone cold atheist, but you are looking for the truth, that gives me a lot of comfort because Jesus said, if you look for the truth, you're gonna find it. God does not withhold the truth from those who are looking. But the question is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And if we're looking for the truth, we don't have to be lost. Do we understand that mankind's ways have never ended up good? Ever, 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 ever. So we have to humble ourselves and we have to say, regardless of my feelings, your feelings will lie to you, the Bible says. I have to submit to your ways. I have to submit to that. And again, the beauty is, is if we submit to him, regardless of what anyone in this room has done up till right now, regardless of how, how evil your actions were before you walked through that door, every single one of us right now, we have this moment God has ordered your footsteps to be in this room right now, to be watching this video right now, because all of us have reached a crossroad right now to where we can respond to what we have heard or we can reject it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do anything. You don't have to earn anything. It is just to have faith that Jesus Christ loves us, that he has died for our sins, that he has already paid the price for us to be saved. We have reached this moment what will we do with this moment? Here's the thing. If we respond to that, not only can we be saved, but if we're doing what we're supposed to do as Christians, other people around us will eventually be saved as well. That means our children will grow up differently. Our marriages will look differently. Our neighborhoods will look differently. Our schools will look differently. But the problem is, is some of us in this room, and guys, I'm flesh and bone too. I don't like being rejected, but we have to get over ourselves. The other day, my wife and I, we went to lunch with the guy I got my black belt in Taekwondo under. He lives in DC. He flew in and he's hanging out for a month or so. We went to Carabas. I was, I was kind of being a pouty baby because I thought they had their lunch menu 
and they didn't. So I'm like, I'm gonna pay $50 for lunch and it's not even what I want. So anyways, I was kind of being a pouty baby and, and my wife's sitting there and Ken, my, my Taekwondo grandmaster was sitting there and the waitress comes over and Ken's just always happy as a lark. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that there's, the menu is limited. Anyways, and she goes, what can I get you guys to drink? And he goes, where do you worship on Sunday? And she's kind of, <laughs> and, and she goes, I, I go to my grandmother's Church of Christ every once in a while. And he goes, oh, good, that's good, that's good. And so I knew he was eventually gonna get to me, and I'm over there being, you know, a baby, you know, because I can't get what I want. Anyways, so we get our drinks, we order our food. Eventually, this waitress comes back, and, and he gets this waitress, and he says, hey, you're a believer, why don't you pray for our meal? To the waitress. So the waitress was just kind of like, okay, and she just prayed, and she walked away, and Alicia and I were just sitting there like, that's pretty gutsy, but the point is this, man, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't give a rip. He doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. You know the only one that Ken cares about making sure that he looks good in front of is his Savior, and, and, but, but listen, let me tell you something about non-believers. I got a lot of friends that are non-believers, a lot of them, atheists, non-believers, other religions, whatever. If your heart is in the right place, and even if you share their faith and they don't want to hear it, they will, be, they will be encouraged just that you cared enough about them to talk to them about it, that you cared enough about their soul. Look up the video on YouTube of Penn Jillette being given a Bible, right? He's an atheist, and he's crying because he appreciated the person that gave him the Bible so much because they loved him. Nine out of 10 non-believers will appreciate you for reaching out. They're not gonna punch you in the face or reject you or anything like that. But we have to put our comfort on the line. Everything today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with two points and they're gonna be remarkably simple. We must humbly confess that Jesus is the boss. That's what Lord means. He has authority. Now that sounds good, but sometimes it's hard. It is hard to relinquish our authority. But Jesus says, if you will just let me be in control of your life, and if you will believe that what I, I say is true, if you will let him be in charge, and if you will believe what he says, he says you'll be saved. Not just saved. Listen, there's two options in life. Two options in life. Because now today you have heard the truth. If we confess that Jesus is the boss, and we believe what he says, that will not just yield eternal salvation with Jesus where we're in heaven forever. It will change your life right now. You will have joy. You'll have peace. You'll have contentment. You will have hope. You will be a better person in this life. I don't care what happens in the world around us. You will internally change, and then externally that will show. So option one, everyone in this room, if you're listening to me, here's your two options. Not my options, the Bible's options. Your first option is you've heard the truth. Jesus, you're the boss. I believe you. Salvation and change right now. The other option is a rejection of that. And let me tell you what the rejection yields. I'm not gonna bring it to you from the Bible. I'm just gonna challenge you with history. Find me a man-made system that has ever stood the test of time. Find me one civilization that over time did not crumble. Find me one. Find me one. Every single invention, creation, system of mankind eventually becomes obsolete or tears itself apart. That is history. Not biblical history. It is history. It is history. Nothing we have done. And I'll tell you where the United States is right now. It is tanking right now. We are tanking as a people. We are ripping ourselves apart right now because we have said, we've got it figured out. We'll do it our way. And we're gonna get the same results that the Romans got, that the Greeks got, that the Assyrians before them got, right? That the Egyptians got we'll just go in the same exact direction. But we as individuals have two choices today. Humbly submit to the King of Kings or be left to our own devices that never work. Would you bow your heads with me, please?
Man, I love you guys so much. If, if, if anyone in this, is in this room and, and you are on the fence, maybe you came here today and, and you're questioning things, you're looking, but you're really not settled. Man, if you're an atheist in here, my wife was an atheist in 2002. I was an agnostic in 2002. We did not know Jesus. If you are here looking for answers, up here on my right, your left, Pastor Mike, the guy that did announcements, he's right over here on the right. If you wanna ask him anything, he's not afraid of questions, we're not afraid of conversation, please talk to him a little bit. We're also, there have men and women on both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything in your life, I'm talking anything, finances, health, family, friends, whatever it is, please come up and let someone pray with you. The last thing is, is you have communion in your hands. The, the wine, the juice in there, that represents the blood of Jesus Christ and the bread represents his body. It's very, very simple. That is a, a tangible representation, reminder that God loves you so much. You have to believe this, that God loves you so much he sent his only son to be brutally beaten and to shed his blood so our sins can be forgiven. That's what that reminds us of. It's very simple. And if we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, we can take that and we can be reminded that God loves us, that he sees you right now, you, that you are not alone, that you can be delivered, you can be changed, you can have joy, you can have peace and hope, but we must humbly submit to the master. There is no reason, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, there is no reason why anyone in this room has to walk out of these doors with any sin or condemnation or guilt on them. God can relieve all of that in this moment. Father, Lord, we love you. God, I'm so thankful to be a part of this community. Jesus, I pray blessings over everyone in this room and everyone who may be watching this video right now. I pray blessings over them as an individual. I pray your blessings, God, over their marriages and their kids. Father, Hey, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just feel like God wanted me to tell you guys this. There is someone in this room, you just need to utterly depend on him. You need to trust him right now. I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to be a prophet. I'm not that. But someone in this room, I think right now, there's this part of your life that you're holding back on. And I think God is saying, you just gotta trust me with that. And I'm gonna give you my word. If you will just trust him with whatever that is, it's gonna turn out good. You're gonna be blessed by it. Your family's gonna be blessed by it. Maybe that's not for anyone in this room. Maybe it's for someone online. I don't know who it's for, but someone needed to hear that. Father, Lord, let all of us, God, just completely, utterly depend on you, Lord, and trust in you. You are good. Let us believe that in our hearts and our minds. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you, guys.